Well, hello, church. Uh, it's good to be with you today. Uh, my name is Ben Seaman. I serve on staff at Rockingham Christian Church uh, as our lead minister. Uh, we are currently in a five-week teaching series called Reset for Reentry, as we're exploring together what reentry and normal even looks like, if that even has a definition uh, right now in this season of uh, the global pandemic. And I asked one of our own, Beth Gagnon, to come and share uh, her story and uh, what she does and how I think it will be a blessing to all of us as we think about what does it look like to reenter and with a healthy uh, presence of mind and mental health. So I'm going to ask Beth to introduce herself and share a little bit about her family, how long they've been attending RCC, and uh, her passion with her uh, profession. Sure. Thanks for having me today for the second time. Feels like deja vu. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm Beth Gagnon. I've been attending um, Rockingham Christian Church for, it's going to be 18 years, I believe, in October. Um, and I am married to Todd. He's over there in the light blue shirt. We've been married for a little over 18 years. Awesome. We have a son, Noah, who's 13. And should be waking up in about 15 minutes-ish, yeah. I'm thinking. That's about right. That's about right. <laughs> um, and we have a dog, Bailey, which was a big family change for us. Um, and I am a clinical, uh, a licensed clinical social worker. I have a practice here in Salem, and I've been doing um, mental health uh, psychotherapy for over 20 years. Awesome. And you specialize in grief, yes. anxiety. I, my specialty is children and family, and yep. then... Um, anxiety, grief, and trauma, the yeah. three fun things that yeah. we can do. I bet you're a delight at parties. I am <laughs> super fun at parties, actually, coincidentally. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, you know what, I'm the person that brings up trauma a lot. Sure. Um, and when somebody is struggling, it's kind of a joke amongst my friends that they look at me and they're like, trauma. I'm like, trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trauma. Yeah. Well, Beth, I'm excited to get into it today. Um, my, and I've been pretty open uh, uh, with, with my journey in counseling and mental health, and, and uh, I, I really want to normalize that. I think it's so important to normalize that uh, in a church context that uh, you're allowed to have a broken arm and you're allowed to have a broken brain and seek professional help uh, with either of those. Uh, a verse I want to share before we get into our conversation with Beth is uh, really the first verse, my uh, first counselor that I sought when... I thought I was hiding well, <laughs> and healthy people have a way of going, uh, I can see you behind that skinny tree. That's, um, that's avoiding. We yeah, call yeah. that avoiding, not hiding. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Beth. I'll ask the questions. Um, uh, <laughs> the, I'm just kidding. This uh, is a different role for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is great. Um, so the verse I want to share is 1 Peter 5.10, and my counselor uh, in Colorado shared this with me as sort of her thesis for why she does what she does. Uh, and God, uh, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, uh, although little while seems really long uh, right now, or whenever we suffer, uh, <clears throat> though you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him, Jesus, be the power forever and ever. Amen. And I love that text because I think in terms of a counseling mental health setting, it's this idea that Jesus is willing to be with us in our suffering. And that, that is definitely the narrative of Scripture. Um, I mean, incredibly so in, in the book of Exodus. Um, to get us started here, would you give us um, 
a, a bottom shelf, because I know you can go super deep on this question, sort of a bottom shelf, easy understanding for what, what is trauma? So, yep, the trauma is very broad, and trauma is anything that you experience. It could be one event or multiple events that cause some kind of distress psychologically, but we now know it can also help, uh, affect you physically, emotionally, socially, because they're all connected. Yes. Um, and what may be a trauma to one person may not be a trauma to another. Right. Um, right. It all depends on our temperament, our experiences, and mm -hmm. our coping skills. Yes. And a book I read um, that's been helping me is uh, uh, The Body Keeps a Score. Bessel. Bessel yeah. van der Kolk. Yeah. When, when I read that, because you had mentioned uh, at the previous service how trauma even affects us at the DNA mm -hmm. cell level. And when I started reading that book, uh, recommended by one of my counselors, it, it blew my mind. And halfway through it, I'm like, oh, I'm not good at hide and seek. Um, so uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Um, uh, race riots, protesting, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. Is Dr. Fauci something, somebody to listen to, ignore? It's been a great year. Um, so how has trauma, from what you've seen, affected just Americans in general in light of everything that's going on? So I think that um, there, it has increased fear. Okay. Um, it has changed uh, our viewpoint, which is one of the things trauma does. It will change your perspective, mm. perspective even what we call schema on life. Mm -hmm. um, trauma and both grief, which are, they're not interchangeable, but they do overlap. Um, they, you can experience a sense of betrayal. Um, That's interesting. Can you speak more about that? The fact that COVID is a sense of betrayal? It's a sense of betrayal, particularly I think for some, not all Americans, um, who felt that there was stability. Okay. Um, that we had some level of control over things in our life. Um, yeah. <laughs> some level of security. Right. Uh, just kidding. No, we don't control anything. Yeah. If you thought you did, you didn't. Something. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's a quote, um, Larry Eisenberg. He is a science, science fiction writer. I've never read his stuff, but he wrote for uh, Peace of Mind, mm -hmm. retire as general manager of the universe. Um, so I think a lot of folks do that, right? Try to control for everything all yeah. the time. And we really, I mean, you can look both ways before you cross the street, but you know, you can wash your hands, we can wear masks, but at the right. end of the day, we don't control for everything. Right. right, right, yeah. Which makes sense that to follow Jesus, you have to lose your life to find it and really come to terms with like, you're not in control. Uh, well, right, like we were just talking about narcissism, right? Yeah, this yeah. idea that yeah. that's where the narcissism can play in on all of us. Right. How much control do we have? Where is our faith? Is it within us and our right. ability to control for all things? Sure. Or is it within a higher power? Mm -hmm. um, and that you're really giving up faith, which means really trusting that he knows better and that he has a plan that's going to work for us even when we don't see it. Right. And that's... That's tough. Yeah. Right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, this Jesus, I'll believe in him. I want to go to heaven, but, you know. Yeah, on know, my terms. Ask me to put all my faith in him. Right. <laughs> and right. trust that he knows better than me. That's, right. That, for me, personally, that was, I, I, and I, I think I spoke about it, you know, I don't know, it's 16 years ago now, but mm -hmm. giving up that control mm -hmm. and giving up the will, as you say, and yeah, really yeah, putting yeah. faith in God. Yep. What, what have you seen in your practice, um, specifically folks 
but obviously answering in generalities, what are folks really struggling with in this season? The th same thing people f struggle with all the time is just intensified, which is, you know, fear of the unknown. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said, I'd, I mean, I totally would be fine, but yeah. I just, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, yep. You don't know what it looks like. We're never going to know what it looks like. But particularly with COVID, which it's a potential threat that's imminent, um, and it's constantly in your face if you're on social media, right? Yep, yep. Um, it, it's not going away. And even, like, we're, I call phase one, we were all home, kind of anxious about it. Phase two is we're going about it, and, and you go through that, that, that feeling of, oh, things are normal. I'm not sure. Nope, just kidding. Not normal. Everybody's sitting here spaced out with a mask, right? Yeah, yeah. So we won't be in, like, my phase three until we're through this and we're back to sort of life as we did before, having changed and grown from the experience, but. Yeah, so you, you had mentioned, um, I think in a previous conversation that trauma is uh, uh, grieving. What it's does it look grief. like, mm -hmm. what does it look like to, how do we name our grief? And then what does it look like to express that? How do we do that? So you gotta name it, recognize the feeling, sit in the feeling. Mm. experience feeling the, the recent research because I've been looking for this answer for years is that you can experience a feeling a feeling wave lasts 90 seconds mm. so people when it comes to happy feelings good comfortable feelings people have no problem sure so I'm really here I always say I'm here to help people deal with the uncomfortable feelings because right, <laughs> right. you can do the good feelings on your own the comfortable <laughs> feelings yeah, yeah but it's really a 90 second wave that's any you can do anything for 90 seconds right Russell and alligator. I mean, it's, it's just feeling. So f name the feeling, feel the feeling, um, sit in the feeling. Yeah. And then you want to express it through verbalizing it, writing it, some other form. Yeah. Um, like total curveball question. Why do we go, oh, I'm sorry if you're upset. We, we apologize, I feel like, and minimize what someone's feeling. Yes, maybe we do. Because we don't want to sit in it. Because we don't want to sit in it. And yeah. we don't like to see other people. We're built to not see other people in distress. Yeah. So really, as a therapist, you have to train yourself. You got to sit in it. You just got to help people learn to sit in that feeling and that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Because every feeling, the best feeling you ever had, the worst feeling you ever had, it's going to pass. Right. No feel. I mean, has anyone ex ever experienced the same exact feeling every day of their life? Mm -hmm. The exact same feeling? We'll talk about it later. <laughs> because every feeling is, is fleeting. Yeah. It's fleeting. Yeah. So yeah. there'll be moments of intensity, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's learning to not fear those mm. feelings, just sit in it, express it, because again, you don't want to be emotionally constipated, right? right. <laughs> yep. Um, so we don't want to hold in toxic feelings any more than we want to hold in toxic food. Right. So we want to learn to express <laughs> it, right? So you're yeah. going to sit in it, you're going to express it, you're going to start to accept it, which may mean meaning making, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how am I going to make meaning out of this? Am right. I going to have some, what we call traumatic growth? Can I, can I, am I going to come out um, through this better, a better version of myself? Right. Um, because when I started in this field over 20 years ago, we believed the brain was hardwired. Mm -hmm. So if somebody went through trauma, we're like, oh, you went through trauma. Sorry. Like, it was really hard to heal from trauma, and right. it is hard to heal from trauma. Yes. But now we know all these things about neurons in the brain, and um, 
epigenesis and all these fancy words yeah, and like, not, like, yeah, neuroplasticity sure, and things yeah. that just mean that you absolutely can, your brain is designed to change, to rewire, to heal. Yes. We did not know that yes. when I started. Yes. So this is all exciting new stuff. Which is incredible that God would do that physically for our bodies, but yes. also mentally for our brains. So, so when we talk about what does it mean to process trauma, to kind of work, sit in it, work through it, make yep. sense of it, meaning making. And then we have to figure out who am I going to be on the other side of this? Yeah. Who am I going to be now as a person that has right. survived COVID? So for the person that uh, says, I can't wait for this to be over or when it's over, it's whew. all right, moving on. Um, what happens to someone that buries their grief and they don't really work through it? What are they missing out on? They're missing on growth, uh, out of growth. Yeah. They, they're, they're, I'm, I'm questioning where, where um, you know, not whether somebody has faith, but where is your level of faith? Would, um, would you say something this massive, if, someone, if that was their approach, it would actually stunt maybe their, their absolutely. growth? Yeah, yeah. So trauma gets trapped in your body. Grief gets trapped in your body. Sad feelings get, everything gets trapped in your body. Um, and your body will remind you of it. Um, if you don't work through it, you'll mm -hmm. be reminded of it. Yeah. Um, yes. It's interesting with uh, the, the young 20-somethings. Um, part of it is, you know, where their brain's at, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yeah. they're just, they're, right now, for brain development, they are built to right. um, have a different perspective of life and right. not f uh, to feel more invincible. That's, right. that's, that's by God's design so that we can... Uh, actually have progress. Young youth brings progress because yes. they see the world differently and they don't fear the world the same right. way. So that's purposeful, right. but what, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it post. Yeah, Gen um, Z, that, w yeah, that would be it. Which I wish I knew in student ministry that the cortex, frontal cortex, doesn't develop until their 20s. That's why I wouldn't be so hard on Billy for doing crazy things. It's right here. And he, it's doesn't, a, he doesn't know what's going to happen. If I drive this car into a, you know, yeah. It's right here. It's the last part of the brain to develop, and it's like six business cards thick. Oh, wow. You know that? Right here. I yeah. didn't know that. Yes. So let's talk about um, something really fun and uplifting, social media. Yes. What, um, man, <laughs> what, okay, why do groups... Why do digital militia groups tend to form, and if you don't view their way of this whole thing, everything from COVID to social injustices, uh, police brutality, police getting murdered, um, why are we just like throwing digital rockets at each other? What is that, that innate evolutionary desire to like band together with your people and crush others that it's don't fair. see the world you do? Yeah. Fair. It's just all fair-based stuff. Okay. And it's interesting because, right, this is a global community we're talking about. Sure. First time ever for humans to experience this global connectedness. And yet the thing that is supposedly connecting us is really divisive and, and, yeah. and separating us. Yeah. Um, and I think to have that awareness, mm. I mean, you know, do, do a little fun assessment. Um, on a scale of zero to 10, score where you are on a contentment scale. Mm. Then go on social media and score yourself again. <laughs> yeah. Now, I do that with myself and it doesn't end well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Yet yeah. I continue to pick it up, right? Because those, the, the things I didn't mention last time, though, all apps, even, even news, I would say now, it's all designed psychologically yep. to keep you addicted. Yeah, attention. So when you wonder why, like, I don't want to look at it, but I have to, um, it's because they pay people yes. to design these yes. things to keep people addicted. My wife's a graphic designer, and attention span is the currency companies want. 
Uh -huh. 100%. Um, yeah, wow, that, that's some really... Uh, I remember when TV was the scariest thing. And there were <laughs> subliminal messages that were going across. Now it's, I mean, what's a subliminal message? It's right. all over the place. So, so what do I do when um, my BFF of, you know, 87 years or my best friend in my life group that I go to church with, um, I log on to social media and I find that they've unfriended me or blocked me. What's, what, what's up with that? Yeah, that's happening a lot. It really saddens me. I've never really experienced this happening. Um, yeah. People saying, you know, I didn't, I didn't put the black circle. I think it, it was yeah. a circle for, for Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, yeah. or um, I did post something on Black Lives Matter, and I'm not su supporting police. Right. Uh, you know, and all this real division happening. Sure. Um, and I think you just right have a heart for people and work on your own tolerance. Um, I, unless somebody is doing a hate crime, like right. level, right, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I tolerate people. I've, you know, you really, <laughs> we all have to learn yeah. to tolerate yeah. people that have different views and continue oh, to have a heart, right? And, and demonstrate um, your, own, your own positive kind of outreach to them. Yeah, and one of the things that I've been grieving is like, you know, I, I feel like, especially in the church world, leadership is influence. Nobody cares if you're a pastor. It's, it's, it's influence. And I think about like what Christians are giving up by uh, constantly communicating digitally their viewpoints that maybe they would have someone that would be interested in going to church. But after this, like, forget about it. Like, they think you're crazy or, I mean, it's just, it just it's, and maybe it's part of the grief, grieving process. I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think it's fear. I think yeah. fear is the driving force here. Yeah. Um, and if you can keep your fear, that's why, you know, faith is hope. And, um, mm. and it, will, it will conquer fear every time. Yeah. Um, if you're, you know, I want to make it a point to say that um, some people's fear, anxiety, and there's a difference between experiencing trauma and actually having a diagnosis for um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Because you can experience a trauma but not have post-traumatic right. stress. So there's some serious mental health concerns for folks that are driven by, you know, uh, physiological things, neurotransmitters, things like that, that we also have to pay attention to. Um, you know, a lot of the things that I see posted online... Um, that are meant to be very divisive. And mm. I don't know how they're supposed to win. I think people are trying to win people over to their side, but it's really just right. <laughs> alienating. Um, sure, sure. And I look at the, the post and I'm like, that person is mentally ill. Like the person that they're posting about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, well, here's somebody that supports this or here's somebody that supports that. And I'm like, anyone else noticing some mental health concerns? Cause I have some red flags, you know? Yeah. Um, so mental health uh, issues are, I think that um, for me, you know, I, I was saying the conspirademic is uh, yes. really in some ways more detrimental to people's mental health than the pandemic. Yeah, 100%. And where we went from saying, because I know earlier on um, with when COVID, we were all starting to hunker down and, um, and we were talking about how all of a sudden you had some free time, right? It seemed like <laughs> some, some of us, right? And yeah. the busyness. But then what did we do with the busyness, me included? We've started filling, maybe we're not driving from here to there to there, but like how much time, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not judging or assessing anybody here, but like just for myself, like how much time then did we switch to watching the news on social media, right? Right. Because right now I feel like it's like squirrel, like <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> right, <laughs> you right, know? Right. Um, 
because we're anxious too, I think we're looking to kind of fill that void and that yes. uncomfortable angst that we have. Yes. And then we're turning to something that's really not gonna make us feel better. It's not. Yeah, I wonder, quick thought and we'll move on. I wonder if um, social media today is what video games were for my generation. It's that false sense of accomplishment. And you know, I'm gonna debate you and even though I'm not a professional in science and medicine, I'm just gonna, yeah, it, it might be a false sense of uh, accomplishment. Uh, thinking about families, um, for better or worse, school starting. Yep. Uh, Sununu has said it's up to local districts. Ours, uh, they'll be back in person. Masks, shields. Uh, if your family is opposed to that, there are online options. The question I want to ask is, mom and dad, you know, they're, they're the MVP. They're, I mean, they're in the thick of this. How, what does mom and dad need to do to protect not only their intimacy, their marriage, but also a safe home, have a safe home for their kiddos? In light of what you just said, I mean, what is true in the morning might not be true at night. We're studying the virus in real time. How, does, how do mom and dad have safe homes for their kids and for themselves? Well, you go out and you get yourself a crystal ball. Great. <laughs> awesome. I'm just out of a job now. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> because we don't know. Yeah. You make the best decisions you can. You do that every day anyway. And that's okay to say, um, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. So you're going to look at science. Please, please look at science. It's changing. It's not perfect. Right. Um, doctors don't know everything, but they are educated in um, some of this stuff. And so go to the CDC, follow the guidelines, talk to your own personal PCP or whoever you have to talk to, to find out what the best choice is for your family. Um, and make your own, be your own advocate. Right. Uh, don't worry about anybody, what they think. Right. Um, make the decision that feels comfortable for you, not fear-based, right? Because right? we talked about this last time, that when you're fear-based, you're in your animal brain. You're in this part of your brain. Right. Um, and you're making a decision much like an animal would. And you don't, you don't want to be thinking with your dog brain. Right. You want to think with your sophisticated human brain <laughs> all the way in the front of your frontal lobe, your right? fancy brain. And using, yep, your fancy brain. Um, and so I think a lot of people, um, when I'm hearing families fighting and breaking down over this, it's because they're having emotional arguments, which are the equivalent to a dog fight. Um, mm. So you have to bring some of your intellectualized thinking, right? So rational and emotional thought to the table mm -hmm. um, and kind of assess where everybody's comfort level is and make decisions as best you can. Right, yeah. As best you can. There always yeah. is an inherent risk to life anyway. Right. We're just more focused on it right now because we have an imminent threat, threat in front of us. Invisible. And we're not used to that. Yeah. But, um, really nothing's changed for the human condition. Right. We just right. know about something to be afraid of that's so, in our face all the time. So what does it look like? You mentioned this digitally, but like, what does it look like now that we're allowed to, you know, go outside and play? H how do we, um, there's a question that somebody wrote in to me, H how do we have relationships with family members and friends that have completely opposing views of this, yet we physically have to interact with each other? H how do we maintain those relationships? I think or that- Or do we need to? Well, I mean, I think it depends. Again, you have to, you know, we could have a whole thing on boundaries yeah, and yeah. assertiveness and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think that, again, it's about having a heart for other people and, their, and tolerating their differences. Um, if somebody is really doing something that makes you feel that it's not safe for you and disrespecting and devaluing 
your your views or what your comfort level, then mm. maybe you do put a boundary in place. Right. Um, and don't be, ex you know, I wouldn't be personalized it if somebody puts a boundary in place, hey, you know, we don't want you and the kids coming over because you're back at work and we're concerned about our health. Like, right. um, I think that that's an okay thing. Everybody has to self-advocate for themselves, their families, and it's all okay. Because yes. guess what? None of us really know the answers. Right. Yes. Like, yes. The answer is none of us have the answers. We're so, all doing this together. For yeah, the first we're all time. in this together. As divisive as you know, that's what's kind of sad is it's kind of turned pe people um, into camps, and really, it should be bringing us together. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, especially like we're um, our elder staff team. We're even thinking about like like what do life groups look like um, in homes, and I think what and I don't have an answer right now, but um, I think what you said is so critically important is that. Have an open mind, have an open heart, and if you have people over and they say, here's, you know, if you want to come over, here, here are our boundaries. Are you honoring, are you basically living the COVID way as we are? If not, then we have to say, and just be okay with that, you know, and not, not take everything so personally, even though this is a very personal thing. I think, yeah, I think it's fair. And I think that if people, if you're starting to notice anger, you know, check yourself. Where's that anger coming? Because yeah. anger leads back to fear. Right, it's our need to kind of protect ourselves, other people, our ego, whatever it is, yeah, we're, yeah. we're protecting something. Then um, a question I got from several folks asked in different ways is, um, you know, how do, I, how do I live my life now in case, you know, uh, the, the virus spikes and we go back to lockdown and, you know, things get worse before they get better. How do I, if you can, how do I prepare myself for that? For like, if there's a second wave? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I think that, you know, in general, we have to, as humans, um, what I really try to work with people on is having some really good coping skills and being prepared to adapt um, at huge. anything. Huge. Um, and it just, you know, I'm a huge fan of deep breathing, meditation, mindfulness, prayer, mm -hmm. um, and training your body to be able to cope I mean, really, that's what it's about. When someone comes to, to me anyway, um, it's not about the issue at hand. It's yeah. about really preparing yourself, either, even physiologically, I say, yeah. so that whatever lion shows up, yes. you're just going to so be good. like, it's okay. That's so it's good. okay. And even in uh, ministry, too, like you ask somebody, how are you doing? And they say, fine, but their body is like, you know, Telling a different shutting story. down. Mm -hmm. And it's like God created our bodies to be like, you're lying. I want a relationship with God. And yeah, that, that's so good to even, you know, uh, discipline our bodies through prayer, meditation, exercise, really thinking through like what, what even like what we're eating. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I so what you're eating is huge. Uh, we didn't, uh, that's another story because we now know that your gut is your second brain and what happens in yes. your gut happens in your heart happens in your brain yep. and they're all connected and things like serotonin which you need yep. um, to send messages and be and not feel depressed um, that is in your stomach yep. um, produce I think 90 they keep changing I think it's 95 percent of is, is produced in your stomach yeah. is what I'm hearing yeah. so um, so many things to yeah. having wellness. I just right? learned that this year that your gut health is related. Well, we to all just learned it recently. Yeah. It's just oh. new. Well, yeah. good. I don't yeah, feel it's just new. Okay. Yeah, you didn't miss out. It's just new stuff. It yeah. keeps getting better and better. Mental well, health keeps getting more and more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Beth, thanks so much for your time. This is really Thank good. You. Great. I wish we had more time. Uh, would you mind giving Beth a hand? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
Yeah, thanks again, Beth. We really appreciate it. And uh, it's so cool to see God use different folks here at RCC and, uh, and their gifts. And, you know, we really want to be an advocate uh, for, for mental health here at RCC. And we want to we normalize it and we want to talk about it. Uh, Paul definitely talks about it uh, a lot in, in his writings. And so if what we shared resonated with you and you would like to seek medical help, professional even, feel free to reach out to us and uh, one of our staff or elders could reach out to you. And also, you know, we have a, a short list, but we have a list of professional counselors that would love to come alongside you. So let me pray and uh, the band will come out. We'll continue in worship and then close out our service uh, with communion. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thanks so much that um, you, you created a beautifully mysterious body that even, um, even our brain, when, when it's hurt and broken, can repair itself through, um, through counseling, through your grace, uh, and in a relationship with you. So much of what Beth had said, I think about the verse that perfect love uh, drives out fear. Uh, the, the word drive out is aggressive language used of you, Jesus, when you would cast out demons. And I think that's so important to what Beth had shared, that fear really does have that strong of a hold that we don't need to be polite about it. We need to reach in and chuck that thing out. And so would you be with us in, in our church as we sense you know, the next steps we need to take uh, in the journey inward, uh, believing that who we are becoming is more important than what we're doing. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.